Life Audio. Just ahead on Encouragement for You, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley talk about parenting and marriage, and therapist Brad Fairchild explores the importance of forgiveness. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Smalley is a licensed Christian counselor, and her husband Greg is the Vice President for Families at Focus on the Family. In our first segment, Greg and Aaron join host Don Hawkins to talk about parenting and marriage. There are so many different areas to explore when it comes to the subject of parenting. Maybe the place to start is with Scripture, and uh, the most common verse cited in parenting is the verse that uh, in the Old Testament, train up a child in the way in which he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. And uh, Greg, let's start with that verse in Proverbs 22, uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, What does that really mean? You know, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, what does that mean, train up a child in the way he should go. And uh, when he's old, he will not depart from it. Yeah, I think primarily what it's talking about is that we need to understand our children, their personality, their temperament. How do they learn best? If we just try to teach every child the same, then that, that not only will potentially will they not learn from us, but it's frustrating to us as well. And I think that's one of the best lessons as a parent that we can learn is to really become a student of, of our children. How do they best learn? How, what's the best way to teach and correct? You know, our, we have three kids, and, and, and they're all, all three are so very different. You know, with our youngest son, if he gets in trouble, you just have to look at him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with a, you know, with a glare, and, and, mm. and he, he just falls apart. Truly, we've had to learn how to parent differently with him, not only because we have two girls and then a boy, but because of his personality being so tender-hearted and so responsive just to a glance, 
that we have had to use very different discipline methods with him than we did with our middle child hmm. or our, our oldest daughter. And isn't it ironic that so many times when we look at this verse, we think what it's telling us is to treat every child the same, train right. them up in the same formula, lockstep. Uh, but the Hebrew has the idea of uh, of really getting to know the child's natural bent yep. and and also cultivating or motivating. And uh, then there's that passage in the New Testament, Aaron, uh, that talks about fathers or parents uh, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What in the world do you think that means? Well, I think it's so important as parents to really not only train them, but to, to, to model godly behavior for them and, and, and take them to church and encourage them in their faith. I want to so tell looking you. Mm-hmm. for those things that really encourage them in their faith and in, in their development spiritually. Uh, Greg, you've developed a number of tips. Why don't you toss the first one out at us and let's chew on it. Yeah, you know, primarily is summer hits. Of course, with the kids out of school around, they can get bored, they get irritable. A lot of conflict starts to go on, a lot of sibling rivalry. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that we that we always try to encourage parents to first and foremost remember is that that's totally normal. You know, that that kids fighting and bickering, you know, when you have individuals together with their uniquenesses, the differences, they're not always going to get along with everyone. And just to remember that that's normal. When our kids fight and when they don't get along and we're not sure that they're ever going to be friends, you know, that that's normal. And, And more importantly then, it's uh, that the issue then is, well, what do we teach them? How do we train them? How do we begin to help them to get along? But I know that, that, that first and foremost, a lot of parents think there's something wrong with our kids or with my family or me as a parent because they seem to fight a lot. Mm. You know, I mean, look at in the Bible. I mean, Cain and Abel. Oh, my, know? yes. A lot of folks waiting on the phone to talk with us. Let's work some calls in. We'll work some tips into our conversation as well. Uh, Jennifer has been waiting patiently in Georgia. Hi, Jennifer. Hey. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Um, I have a question. I have three boys, a four-and-a-half-year-old, a 21-month, and a seven-month. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're all different. They all have their own personality, but the... Mm. Um, Four-and-a-half-year-old, he is very, very strong-willed. And I was wondering what are some tips to kind of help us deal with that because, and it's mainly he does it in public, and it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he really, he's going to do it or bust. And it's it's more in front of the grandparents or family or church members. Sometimes going through Walmart, too. I mean, he's just, <laughs> we have to put him in the buggy. Yeah, okay. Well, the first bless thing I, I thought of was, of course he does it in public. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No kid's going to ever do things like that in private. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot better, you know, in private. I mean, we still have to, you know, tell him no, you know, occasionally and all. But it's not as bad. And, I mean, he just rebels against us. In mainly in public, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the first couple things come to mind. One, I think as a parent, when, when that happens, I mean, all of us have had situations where mm-hmm. our kids humiliate us in public, you know, mm-hmm. and we know that someone from church is inevitably going to see us, you know, whatever. 
And, and I think as a parent, first and foremost, we have to notice what is going on internally for us. When, when my kids embarrass me and I start to shut down, I think the thing that I have to do first is just kind of take that big deep breath, um, maybe say a quick prayer, think about, okay, how do I feel in this moment? I feel humiliated. I mean, simply sometimes naming mm-hmm. how I feel can get me to a different place. Because the problem is, is that when we get embarrassed in those situations, that our tendency is to react, you know, yeah. in, in some way, or we, you know, quickly <laughs> rush them out to the car and then we react. <laughs> um, it, but but one one way to kind of help um, calm us down is when we pay attention to what's really going on. What has this done? What button has this pushed? I feel embarrassed. I feel like everybody's looking at me that I'm a failure as a parent. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh-huh. just for those few first couple seconds, when when I go to the Lord and say, Lord, right now, this child you've given me, is I want to kill him, um, but I know that's not what you want. You know, when, when we do some things to get ourselves back, calm down, then you can then go on to to the next step. But, but does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I also, we, all of our children have gone through their, their, their ebbs and flows, you know, it seems like one of them will be challenging for a season and then the next one will have their turn. But especially one of our children um, definitely has a stronger will. And there has been seasons where I've thought, okay, I have done everything. I have, you know, set limits. I have, you know, done negative reinforcement, positive reinforcement. I just don't know what else to do. And I love the advice this older godly man gave us. I said, you know what, Jim, I have done everything I can think of. I don't know what else to do. And he mm. said, just keep doing more of it. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer with the stronger-willed child. You just have to keep doing more of exactly what you're doing. And that helped me so much to know that what we were doing was the right thing, but we ju- it just was going to take a little bit longer. And that helped to relax me because I thought there was going to be this, this big answer of how to deal with it, like this key, and what I, and you know what, the season passed, and we've had different challenges later on, but it was just, it just, it just seasons, and, and ebbs and flows, and knowing that if you're setting consistent limits and disciplining appropriately, it may take a little bit more of it for a strong-willed child. And Jennifer, there is a passage in Luke 18, verse 1, that really expresses from the words of Jesus himself exactly what Aaron's talking about. Uh, There it says, Jesus spoke a parable that we should always pray and never give up. And uh, that persistence, uh, that patience, that steadfastness, and just continuing to pray and to ask God for wisdom. And we want to pray for you right now. Thank you, Lord, that we can share this time with Jennifer. Thank you for her heart, uh, Lord, to serve you and uh, to raise her children in a way that pleases you. Lord, we know it's frustrating when a child rebels in public and and uh, creates a scene, and often there's a power struggle going on there and a child wanting to be defiant or have their own way. And uh, as Aaron indicated, Lord, uh, we need to understand the stages that children go through. And I pray for wisdom uh, for Jennifer in that situation. And I pray for this child that you would uh, bring about a more responsive spirit in those settings. We thank you, Lord, that we can call on you and trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jennifer. Great to hear from you. Bye-bye, Jennifer. Bye-bye. You know, Don, I I think, too, in those situations, as I was thinking about my own strong-willed child, I think one of the best techniques, too, that we can use 
is is almost sort of like a distraction. Yeah. You know, sometimes when our strong-willed child, when we get into that power struggle with them, in 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 the things just keep going around and around and around. Sometimes the best way to actually break that is to do something unexpected. Huh. You know, maybe maybe we 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 start laughing with them. <laughs> you know, maybe we distract them by pointing something else out. I mean, depending on the child's age. I've just noticed with our daughter when she gets in that in that mode, and she's mm-hmm. we've done this for years, just sort of distracting, getting her to think about something different, gets her to a different spot. It sort of gets her out of that. You know, they they lock in this power struggle, and so if we can get them out of that by doing something just a little bit off centered. That, that sometimes that then gives us the room to sort of let things calm down. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. In virtually every relationship, there comes a time when the need for forgiveness is present. But sometimes, forgiveness can be difficult. From his years of experience in Christian counseling, therapist Brad Fairchild joins host Don Hawkins to talk about the importance of choosing forgiveness. Brad, let's see if we can't get into the anatomy of forgiveness how do we respond usually when somebody has hurt us or offended us or abused us? Well, I think it's a pretty um, common to all man kind of a process. So we're offended, we're hurt, we're going to, and it's interesting, I use the word hurt. Sometimes we people will say, oh, no, no, I'm not hurt. I don't, I don't get hurt by stuff. I don't let stuff hurt me. Well, generally, yeah, we're offended. There is a hurt. We may not be aware that we were hurt. But that's part of the problem. That's part of why it bothers me, because I picked up the offense and it hurt. But we skip over that. Oftentimes people will skip over that and go right into kind of an anger, maybe a fear response. And that's when we come to a why in the road right then. And it's pretty quick from the offense to there. It's a short drive. And we have a choice to make at that point. And, and, you know, God loves us and he woos us to make right decisions, but we have a choice to make. And our choice is either we're going to forgive or we're going to walk in unforgiveness. And something I always tell people, and sometimes people argue with me on this one, is a non-decision at that point is an automatic decision Mm. towards unforgiveness. So in other words, you can't say, well, I'm going to defer this decision to forgive and and maybe I'll decide to forgive tomorrow or next week or next year. Right. But here's what that sounds like in real time is, oh, you know, I just... Kind of, I forgot about it. It's fine. Yeah, no big deal. And and we Did you use forgive the person. Well, you know, it's you know, it just, it just, I just kind of forgot about it. It's well, not that uh, big, not that big a deal. Not that big a deal. Right. But in reality, what happens is it's like the irritation in the pearl. It just, uh, exactly. it, it just <laughs> keeps eating away on the inside, and and we right. run into it. So, Brad, we have a choice, and it's almost an immediate choice, and mm-hmm. uh, we can choose forgiveness or we can choose unforgiveness. Uh, let's talk about the consequences of choosing unforgiveness. What does that do to us? Well, I heard this actually, and I could man, this was several years ago. I heard on the radio that that unforgiveness produces uh, twins, and I changed it to 
it produces triplets, and they are in this order of severity, resentment, bitterness, and then mm. hatred. And yeah. I believe unforgiveness undealt with for long enough, you will begin to hate the person. And let's talk about those three terms, resentment, bitterness, and hatred. First of all, resentment. Um, in a sense, that word means to feel something all over again. Kind of unpack that for us, if you will. Well, yeah, and, and, that, and it's funny, and it is a pretty common term, and even used in a lot of uh, secular counseling. It's that negative feeling towards somebody that can just be really quite ugly in and of itself. Now, of course, as it sits there for long enough and undealt with, un- and the only way to deal with that is through forgiveness, then it's going to turn in, into bitterness, which is just a whole new level of just looking at someone and just, you know, just bleh. Yeah, that's a very technical. <laughs> yeah, very technical yeah. word. It comes right out of the clinical workbooks. Uh, there you go. And, and yet, you know, there are a number of passages. And and when Dr. Minrith and I and and Paul Meyer and and uh, Dick Florno, I put the book together, How to Beat Burnout. We did a whole chapter on bitterness uh, because there's a direct correlation between a burnout and bitterness. In fact, it's the hidden root. Uh, we usually think of stress as being a major component when we're burned out. And stress is a factor, personality type, obsessive compulsive personality. And yet in many instances, the hidden root is, is a root of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're carrying all these rocks around. And the rocks represent the offenses that the person has committed toward us. And yet we're carrying those around. They're weighing us down emotionally. We're loaded. We think about it. The bitterness is like battery acid to the soul. And, and there are a number of places in Scripture. Hebrews twelve fifteen talks about a root of bitterness that defiles many people. Acts chapter 8 talks about a man that Peter confronted who was in the, the gall of bitterness. And, and uh, you know, it just uh, the reality is uh, Ephesians 4 tells us to put all bitterness aside. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we make the choice not to forgive, then we can't put bitterness aside, can we? That's right. And so we have to, we've talked about unforgiveness. We talk about forgiveness, which produces peace and freedom, not only for me, the person who was offended, but I think it it pulls us out of the loop and it allows the Lord then more freely to work on that person. I think at some level, Don, when we go in and say, okay, I'm going to hold this against this person, I'm going to punish this person, maybe only in my own fantasy world, I'm going to punish this person. I think God sits back and goes, okay, go ahead. (laughs) That's all they get, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if I take my hands off and quit trying to control that situation and let the Lord take care of them, then the Lord is then going to deal with their hearts. Yeah, and that may be where some of you are. You are just absolutely, devastatingly struggling uh, with this whole issue of forgiveness. And you know that you need to make that choice to this point, you have not made that choice, and you've struggled with resentment. It's led to bitterness and, and maybe even some hatred. And, and, Brad, we don't want to get into hatred because Jesus says if you hate somebody in your heart, you're a murderer. And uh, we certainly don't want to uh, face that kind of a situation. That, that would be a devastating thing for us all. What if we continue to wait until we feel like forgiving, Brad? What's likely to happen? <laughs> <laughs> If we wait till we feel like it, we will never do it. One of the concepts we talk a lot about when we talk about forgiveness, and Don, I know you've taught on this subject many times. I've taught on this subject, talked with it one-on-one with people, and it's one of my favorite topics. It's really a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful process that people can work through it. But it it is so not based on my feelings. I don't oh, think yeah. I have ever, ever in my entire life felt like forgiving anyone. <laughs> you, know, I just, no. you know, if I feel like it, 
Yeah. Forget it. That is so not. It's, it's, it's a decision. I'm going to go yeah. to that place where I say, you know what, out of my obedience to the Lord, out of obedience to the Word of God, yeah. I'm going to ask Him to help me walk through this process of forgiveness. And that's another concept when you talk about it's process versus, you yeah. know, this instantaneous one-time event. Yeah. Uh, so, Brad, let's assume that you want to make the choice to forgive. How do you go about forgiving? Uh, you know, there's no question Mark 11 is real explicit that uh, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anybody, you you better forgive them if you want to enjoy the blessing of God's forgiveness. You know, I think first, uh, the very first thing that has to happen is someone has to come to a place of enough brokenness that they can submit their will to the Lord. Mm. And that is one of the hardest things for us as human beings, period, when it comes to our Christian faith, is just saying, okay, God, I, I, I surrender to you. And so that really that's step one, is we've got to be able to come to that place. There's several things I think we need to understand. One is that forgiveness is a process and not an instantaneous event. Right. Now, for something small, you know, some little offense, and someone looks at you and says, oh, sorry, and you go, hey, don't worry about it, it's okay. You know, you're done. It, okay, that's fine. When it comes to bigger deals or repetitive offenses, uh, severe abuse issues, those kinds of things, it is really a process on our knees before the Lord of saying, okay, Lord, here's here's my heart. I'm really struggling. I'm real big on being honest with God. You know, God, mm. I don't want to forgive yep. this person, right. but I want to be obedient to you, and I want to be blessed by you, and I want to have an open line to you, and I understand according to your word, like Mark 11 you just mentioned, Don, that... In order to, to have your favor, Lord, in order to reach you, in order to stay connected with you, I must forgive this person. And God, I cannot do that in and of my own strength. I cannot do that on my own. So help me. And I'm telling you, that's just the starting place. You know, people, yep. you can say that and not feel like saying that. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm not right. talking about faking it. I mean, yeah. you're wrestling with your own heart and going, heart, you must submit to the Lord. Yeah. So that's really uh, step one. Uh, and, and I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness. I think part of it uh, has to do with being able to say, what is it and what is it not? When you look at what forgiveness is not, I, I think this really helps people in terms of, well, we feel like we're letting the other person off the hook. No, we're not letting the other person off the hook. Uh, it is not saying that it's okay to do me wrong. In fact, really what you're saying when you forgive someone is, You've done me wrong, and that's not okay, but I'm choosing to turn that over to the Lord. I'm choosing to let go of that. I'm choosing not to hold that offense against you, by the way, which I just also said a lot of what forgiveness is. Um, It is not excusing wrong behavior. Well, if I forgive them, that's just like excusing, saying that what they did was okay. No, it's not. It's not about the behavior. It's about your heart and forgiveness towards them and releasing that. Yeah. it is not the same thing as reconciliation. Now, you can reconcile a relationship, and that's a whole other process. Yes, you have to have forgiveness in order to reconcile, but forgiveness alone is not reconciliation. Good and point. in many severe abuse cases, you're not, your goal is not to reconcile with the person. Your goal is to forgive the person between you and God. And oftentimes, it doesn't even mean contacting the person. I have people say to me all the time, well, what do you want me to do? Call the person up and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgive you for hurting me. No, <laughs> not no. necessarily. 
Now, if you if it's a continuous relationship you have with this person, you may say to them, you know, my desire is that we reconcile. I believe forgiveness is part of that process, and I want you to know I'm working on forgiving you for the ways you've hurt me. Now, they may come back with abuse. They may come back with, wow, you know what, I need to forgive you as well or, or whatever. Uh, but if you want to reconcile, that's one thing. But a lot of this focus in, in my mind is that secret place in my heart before the Lord. Yes, confess your sins to one another. You can have uh, people in the process with you, praying for you, helping you, your pastor, a Christian counselor, a, a loved one or a close friend that's trustworthy. But that you're, it's between you and God, Lord, I'm forgiving this person. So it's really not about that person, at least initially, unless there's going to be reconciliation of the relationship. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.